The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rockdale Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And uh, week three is upon us. We don't have the greatest matchup on Thursday Night Football in week three. But, you know, we always start with Thursday Night Football. So we'll, 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 talk, we'll uh, start with it and we'll talk about it. And we got the Carolina Panthers heading to Houston to face the Houston Texans. And, uh, and Tyrod Taylor is out. The Texans are not going to activate Deshaun Watson. So it'll be Davis Mills to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. For the uh, for the Panthers, they are off to a 2-0 start. Obviously, opening day, they beat the Jets, had sacked uh, Zach Wilson six times. And then last week, we were totally impressive, beating the Carolina, beating the New Orleans Saints 26-7. So their defense has played really well. Sam Darnold's played well. I think it's going to be more of the same this uh, on Thursday night in Houston. I think that Sam Darnold's going to play well. I think the, the, uh, the Panthers' defense is going to do a really good job with uh, Davis Mills. And I think the Panthers win this game, and I think they win it by a couple scores. That's why I got the Panthers going to 3-0, and I got them beating the Texans 27-10. But, Justin, here's the question. You watched, you probably watched Davis Mills in college. What should we – and obviously he played a little bit against Cleveland in the second half on Sunday. What should we expect from Davis Mills tomorrow night? For the, what, what should the Texans – what should we expect from Davis Mills tomorrow night? Um. What we should be expecting for Davis Mills in this game is he's a guy that's still really developing, and I felt like he should have taken another year at Sanford last year or this year. He should have stayed. He's a guy that only has had eleven career starts in college, so he's very young. Um, he's one of the top quarterbacks coming out of the class in 2017. So you know he's got the talent. He's a big pocket passer type guy, not very mobile. Again, with a very bad Houston Texas line and the way the Panthers make 
able to get after quarterbacks. I think he could struggle. Um, you know, he's not very good at looking off the safeties. Um, he's got good mechanics. He's got upside, and I think one day he could be a starter for a team, you know, um, regularly. But I just don't think he's there yet. I think he's going to struggle with a very young team around him and a good Panthers defense that we're seeing has really improved. So he's a guy that got upside, but <clears throat> um, I, I just don't think he'd be able to do a, a lot tomorrow against the Carolina Panthers. And I have the Panthers winning 24 to 10. Yeah, it just seems like this is going to be, and we never know. It's Thursday night football is kind of, ex- you, you, you expect the unexpected. Week one, we thought the Bucks would blow out the Cowboys. That was a great game. Last week, who would have expected it to be thirty to twenty-nine? Uh, that that Washington Giants game. I thought it was going to be a really low-scoring game. It turned out to be a really. Ex- I mean, as a Giants fan, it was a brutal loss, but that turned out to be a, a to turn out to be a high-scoring game. So expect the unexpected on Thursday night football, and it wouldn't completely shock me seeing the trend of these Thursday night games that Davis Mills would have a huge game and maybe pull out an upset win for the Texans. So we'll see what happens. But in my opinion, I think the Panthers win this game by a couple scores. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I get Panthers. Uh, or yeah, Panthers win by a couple scores, especially too Thursday night the wildness. It you know short weekend Carolina that you know going traveling to Houston's not 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 the easiest flight in in the world you know on a short week either. So you know long travel too. So yeah, you know you, you could see it. You know uh, Texans upset. Yeah, Thursday night football is a, always a weird night. Absolutely, absolutely, it, it sure is. But we'll get to the local games, and we'll start with your Patriots as the one and one New Orleans Saints travel up to Foxborough to face the one and one New Orleans, uh, the one and one New England Patriots. But and the big question is: is who are the New Orleans Saints? Are they the team that uh, that beat the Packers thirty eight to three in Week One, or are they the team that lost to the Panthers twenty six to seven in Week Two? I feel like the perform their performance in New England will kind of be kind of you know something kind of in the middle. Uh, of that, I think this is going to be a really, really close competitive game. But I think the difference is going to be is going to be Alvin Kamara. I feel like the Saints are going to be able to stop New England's run game and force Mac Jones to be one dimensional. I think I think both both defense will force a turnover or, or two. But I think the biggest difference in this game is going to be Alvin Kamara. I think the Patriots are going to have c- trouble covering him in the pass game, and I think he's going to get enough rushing yards. And that's why I got the New Orleans Saints going up to New England and pulling an upset. I got the Saints beating the Patriots twenty three to twenty. But, Justin, can Mac Jones manage the game? And can the Patriots' defense force turnovers from Jameis Winston, just like they did from Zach Wilson last week, for them to get their second straight win? I think they can. I got the Patriots take it, taking down the Saints 23-17. to 17. Um, Mac Jones right now leading all rookie quarterbacks, completing like over 74% of his passes. Now, again, they really haven't taken too many shots of them so far. Uh, it's we been a lot. might of have lost Justin there. So uh, um, is, are you back, Justin? Yeah. You back? Um, yeah, back. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, with Matt, you know, he, he's been completing, you know, 74% of his passes. Nothing, you know, they haven't taken too many Jeep shots with him yet. Um, you know, hopefully at some point they'll they'll do it. But um, I think he does enough to manage this game. I think the running game, um, you know, gets enough done with Damian Harris. James White, I like that they're involving J.J. Uh, I like that they brought in J.J. Taylor back, too, to the active roster last week. So I think they knew enough in the run game. Um, you know, it's just not a big kind of, you know, they don't have that big playmaker on the offensive side of the ball at the wide receiver position. Um, but on the defensive side, yeah, I think they they will force James to make some turnovers like, like he did last week. Um, outside of Kamara, the Saints don't have much right now um, at, to, to weapons-wise. So 
if the Patriots can kind of keep on Kamara and keep them in check, I really feel good about the Patriots' chances um, here at home this week, 23-0, uh, and I have the Patriots win the game. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really close competitive game, you know, but I just – and I know the Patriots are going to game plan to stop Kamara, but I just feel like Kamara is just he's – he's going to be clearly be the best player on the field for both teams, and I just think he's going to have a huge game. I think he's going to have a huge game. You saw last week with the Patriots, yes – they only gave up six points, but a big reason for that was Zach Wilson threw four interceptions. They gave up over 100 yards on the ground. I feel like this Patriots defense, yes, their their front seven has improved, but I don't I, I don't think their front seven's great, and I think that that Kamara is going to exploit that, and I think Sean Payton's going to exploit that. And and on the defensive side of the ball, I just don't feel like that the Patriots are really going to find a running game against the Saints against the Saints defense. And and uh, I think Mac Jones might make a mistake or two. He might be playing from behind a little bit, and I think Mac Jones might make a mistake or two. That's why. I got the Saints pulling this upset. Yeah, I could see it. I could see them finally falling behind Mac Jones at trailing. They have to make a big play <clears throat> in the passing game, which we haven't seen yet. So, yeah, I could see the offense kind of struggling a bit. Um, you know, I, I think for the Pats, you know, my big thing is they could get the lead this week early and kind of be able to manage, you know, kind of keep that Saints offense off the field like Carolina really did last week, did a really good job of. They, you know, weren't trying to do much at all. But yeah, on the defensive side, yeah, I didn't like the way the front seven really. There was a couple on one of the interceptions. Um, one of I think when you overthrew uh, Davis, yeah. you know, like there was nobody around. Um, you know, like I don't really blame Wilson there. There was like four guys coming at him. Um, you know, like I, I thought the front seven, the running game should have been a bit better. I think they'll play better this week. They they have to, or yes, Kamar is going to be able to have a big day against them. I think they do play a little bit. I do think they play better than that this week, and I think they find a way to pull this thing out. We got a matchup of two 0-2 teams at MetLife Stadium this week as the Falcons travel up to face the Giants, and this is the day Eli Manning goes into the ring of honor, so it's going to be an emotional day at MetLife Stadium. And for the game, I think this is a close competitive game. I think that both quarterbacks play well. I think Daniel Jones uh, continues to play really well. I feel like this will be Saquon Barkley's best game because he had the he's had the 10 days off he'll have his best game in the run game I feel like this is I know there's issues but there was some there's some issues with Kenny Galladay but I feel like Kenny Galladay uh gets more involved this game I feel like Sterling Shepard continues to do his thing and even Matt Ryan I think he has a good game because it's Giants defense I think this Giants defense they've had trouble getting a pass rush I feel like that Matt Ryan has a big game but at the end of the day I'm gonna go with the Giants at home and I got the Giants getting their first win over the Falcons 27-24 but Justin can Matt Ryan play mistake-free, and can Grady Jarrett get enough pe- pressure on Daniel Jones for the Falcons to get their first win? I do think the Giants get their first win of the year, 27-21 to 21 at home. Um, for the Giants, you know, the pass rush hasn't been great so far. Um, the Falcons off in the line has not been great either. So I think the Giants are going to be able to generate some pressure and force Matt Ryan into some mistakes. You saw that in the fourth quarter last week. You know, the two inter- or pick six is late. <clears throat> um, Tampa Bay got pressure on him and we're able to get a couple interceptions off him. Um, I, I think the Giants are going to be able to do that. I think Ryan will make some, some mistakes. Daniel Jones will be able to feed off that with some good field position. Giants are going to take advantage. Um, on the G- Giants side, on the offensive line, I think they are going to do a pretty good job keep, keeping Grady Jarrett in check. They don't know, you know, their offensive line has played pretty well these first two weeks and it's been very surprising after what you saw week four or week three of the preseason against the Patriots. Um, I think they keep him on a check. I think Daniel Jones is going to have time to be able to make plays, um, spread the ball around like they did last week against Washington. 
You know, they kept that Washington front um, pass rush in check. Which and we got a comment from Hector. We got a comment from Hector. Uh, the Giants need to establish some kind of a run game. Daniel mm-hmm. Jones is a quarterback, not a running back. And I and I agree there. Yeah, they need to get Saquon Barkley going in the run game this way. That'll set up Jones and play action. And I feel like the Giants could very easily put up over 30 points if that's the case. And, yes, to Hector's point, Jones is a quarterback, not a running back. But I don't mind, like, you know, a couple times a game, where they use him, where they use him on the zone read, or on the read option or the zone read. I don't mind them using him on, on the read option. I, I don't mind because that's something that Daniel Jones does well. I don't want him doing it all the time, but I don't mind them, you know, using him, using him that way. I don't mind using him, having him, run, having him, uh, uh, using him with the, with the read option. I don't mind that, but still. Yes, we definitely want to establish a running game with Saquon Barkley so that I can set up play action for Daniel Jones. And then maybe we could run Jones, you know, a couple times instead of running him a bunch of times, which could risk him getting hurt. Yeah, absolutely. I think I wish the Giants did more. I wish Garrett did more of this read zone option with Daniel Jones because he's good at it. And I think it would open a lot of things up. And <clears throat> and again, you know, in that kind of situation, too, it opens up. It could open up things for Barkley if the DN or linebackers kind of keying on um on Daniel Jones and Barkley's kind of got a hole there. So yeah, I wish the Giants did do a little bit more of that as, as well. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think in this game, yeah, the Giants do enough. I think, you know, they're going to be able to throw the ball um, against his weak Falcons defense and they do enough to get the first one of the year. Yeah. I mean, this is a win the Giants definitely need to get, because if you look at the upcoming schedule for the Giants, they got in new Orleans week four, that's, that's the Saints coming home after what happened last month. That's the Saints first home game after, after what happened last month. Yes, it won't be the obviously it won't be even close to the same atmosphere at Katrina, but that's going to be a really, really crazy atmosphere in New Orleans that day. Then they go to Dallas. That's going to be a tough game. Uh, then they then they then they host the Rams and the Panthers who were undefeated. And then after that, they got to go to Kansas City. So they got a brutal, brutal schedule after this game. That's why if the Giants want to do anything this year, they need to win this football game. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or excuse me, if, if they if they don't, you know, again, you could be staring at, you know, 0-6, you know, and, and again, you know, that's just a horrible sign again where we thought, you know, we're going to see improvement. The Giants are going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So, yeah, you know, like this is a must-win week for them. Um, yeah, because that, that, that's a tough couple of games coming up, and none of those games are going to be easy. And if, if you can't beat the Falcons at home, and then yeah, you got major problems. I don't. I if they yeah if they can't win this game, I don't see them winning their next few games either. No, no, no. And yeah, I mean the thing is, is yeah, if they if they lose this game, they very easily could get off to another one and seven start. And this would be the this would be if this ha- if they get start one and seven this year, this would be their third one and seven start in the last four years. And that just that's just unacceptable that just cannot happen that's good that uh, people are going to lose their jobs if that happens that's why this game is so crucial you got your guy going to the ring of honor you got to play a, a crisp clean game and you got to win this game against a team that i feel like you're better than oh absolutely the giants are the absolute the better team in this game yeah you got eli it's gonna be emotional day he's gonna be there yeah you, you know you got to pull out that game for him um yeah, again, starting one and seven for throughout the last four years. Again, trying to get that culture and Joe Judge, and you know, I, I've liked him up the last week. I thought he's been pretty good so far. Ending last week was not great, but um, yeah, you know, again, it, it, there's a ton of pressure on this whole organization and this whole team on, on Sunday if they cannot, you know, going into this game, 
Yeah, it's it's a, a must-win game and a, a team that, yeah, you're definitely better than it. You've got to be at home. Absolute must-win. And, and if they start 1-7 and seven this year, all three of those years, Dave Gettleman was the general manager. So we all know another bad start, and Gettleman has got to go. Absolutely. You know, every time I know he was the assistant GM here for a few years and, you know, they had success. So, uh, but yeah, it, it would have to, it would have to be time to go. It just, you know, cause progress and, you know, by year, what year three or four under them, you, you gotta be able to improve by now. And I think they have, we haven't totally seen it yet come together in, in, in the win column. And obviously that's the most important thing in the NFL and all sports. So, yeah, he, I think he would be 100% have to let go. If they would have to let him go if this falls another one in seven season. Absolutely. 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 But we got an AFC West matchup in Kansas City as the one and one chart. No, yeah, yeah, the one and one Chargers head to Kansas City to face the one and one Chiefs. And I think this is going to be a fun, high scoring game. I think Mahomes is going to have a big game. I think Justin Herbert's going to have a big game. But at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, Mahomes will be the quarterback that makes less mistakes, and I think it'll be the difference. Because remember last week, if Justin Herbert doesn't throw those two interceptions, the Chargers probably win. Those picks in the red zone have definitely been an Achilles heel. Justin Herbert is talented. Huge arm. You know, he's mobile. He's got the size. He's got everything to be – he's got all the tools to be an elite quarterback. The problem is, is, is the interceptions and the interceptions in the red zone. And that interception in the red zone last week cost the Chargers that game. And I feel like he's going he's gonna to play really well – but he's going to make that big mistake that Mahomes won't make. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. And that's why I got the Chiefs going to two and one. And I got them beating the Chargers 34 to 27. But Justin, can Herbert outdo Mahomes for the Chargers to pull an upset? I think it's possible, but I do have the Chiefs holding on 31 to 28 in this game. The Chiefs defense, I think, is out worse. Chris Jones really has not been an impact at all so far through these. I don't, these I, I don't like. I, I don't. I don't like them moving him outside. They should have kept him in the middle. Should have kept him yeah. in the middle. You got You have a team that plays a lot of man coverage. You can blitz. You, 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 they should have kept him in the middle. That's where he. That's where he was good. That's where he was a beast. I don't like him at defensive end either. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because they've been getting torched up that up the middle so far. Um, you saw the Ravens. Um, even Cleveland that week one, they, they, look, the, the Chiefs are very lucky that they are not 0-2 right now. Um, you know, they, obviously they came back into Browns, you know, last week. It, they took their foot off the gas last week, and their, their defense has gotten worse. I think, you know, I think the Chargers are finally going to get some sort of a running game going against the Chiefs because of how bad they've been the first few weeks. And I think they'll be able to take um, advantage, Herbert to be able to take advantage of play action. I think, you know, the wide receivers, Williams, um, Allen, Jefferson are going to make some plays. But um, I, I think the Chiefs at home are going to find a way to pull this one out, um, 31-28. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Chiefs, though, the biggest thing about the Chiefs, why they've struggled and why they've struggled for the last – why their defense has struggled the last – even though they won the Super Bowl, their defense has struggled, you know, the last, you know, four years is they can't stop the run. And why the offense – you know, when one of the, the biggest weaknesses of their offenses is the, the the running game. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he has got to pick it up for this team because he's looking like a bust right now. That fumble was inexcusable on, on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. That was his first fumble in three years because he did not fumble his, his final year at LSU. He didn't fumble at all last year. So, yeah, again, right now, and he fits this offense so well because he can catch – you know, he's a great pass catcher. I know 
running wise, there was still work to be done. And I felt like too, with all the adjustments that they made with the offensive line, that was going to help them a lot. But yeah, so far it just has not been a great year for him. You would hope with this offense that, you know, he's going to get it going and that there's just so many pieces that if he starts to kind of fall off a little bit, teams kind of keep their, you know, take their eye off of him more, maybe get some more open um, opportunities, especially in the passing game. So yeah, I thought it was a great draft choice at the time. It still can be, but yeah, he's got to turn it around very quickly because, you know, yet again, they could, you know, try to find another running back um, like they did last year trying to bring in Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got a matchup of 1-1 teams in Cleveland as the Bears travel to Cleveland to face the Browns, and there's a good chance that Jarvis Landry won't play. There's a good chance Odell Beckham won't play. Uh, and in Chicago, there's a good chance Andy Dalton won't play, so Justin Fields will start. I think this is a really low-scoring game. I think this is a really, really low-scoring game between these two teams. I think that this won't be a huge game for Cleveland's running game because I feel like uh, I feel like Chicago is going to game plan to stop the run because of Landry and Beckham being out. And it looks like Justin Fields is going to get the start for the Browns. And this is a tough environment to get your first start in. I think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to have a turnover or two. But I do think the Bears force a turnover from Baker Mayfield – but I think the difference is going to be the Browns being at home. And I feel like Baker Mayfield's going to make less mistakes in this game. It's going to be a low scoring game. Maybe both teams score a defensive touchdown, but I got the Browns going to two and one beating the bears 20 to 16. But Justin can Justin Fields, it looks like Justin Fields is going to be the starter. Can he do enough in his first start to get to get a win? I don't think they will. I have Cleveland win this game 24 to 16. And yeah, the Bears did announce that uh, just a few minutes ago that Justin Fields is definitely going to be starting Saturday or Sunday. So, um, you know, we'll see the first start. Um, for Justin Fields, I think in this game, they don't have a ton of, um, you know, again, the Bears, Allen Robinson, Dave Montgomery had a nice gain on the ground last week. Um, you know, if they can get the running game going, I just think they're going to fall behind early. And, you know, I, I think that's going to be problematic because the Bears right now, um, they're off of the line. I think you saw last week when Fields came in, he was running for his life. You know, he didn't really have much time. I still worry about him with the ball. He still kind of holds like a loaf of bread at times when he's running with it. So I think the Browns could force a fumble or two from him. Um, he's a guy, look, he's talented enough. We've seen at Ohio State that game, you know, that gutsy performance he had against Clemson and Nashville's team or in the college football playoff semifinal. He's, I think he's going to be a very talented quarterback, but the Bears just don't have enough around him. And I, you know, and you said it too, it's a tough environment to go into Cleveland. The way Cleveland plays too, with how they run the ball, kind of take, you know, keep your defense on the field. I think if they fall behind this game, um, I could see Justin Fields like forcing a mistake or two as well if they're trailing. So um, I think he kind of, I think he can keep it interesting, but I don't think he'll be able to get the Bears a win on Sunday afternoon. We got an AFC North matchup in Pittsburgh as the Bengals travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. And the Steelers could be without Big Ben, and they could be without T.J. Watt. And if you saw the game last week against the Raiders, when T.J. Watt came out of that game, that was a that football game changed completely. Derek Carr was able to do whatever he wanted to as, as late in the game. The Steelers ran that zero blitz, and Carr got him on that. Uh, but in this game... I feel like the Steelers are going to get even without even if Watt doesn't play. I feel like they're going to get pressure on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's been pressured a lot so far this year. I think they're going to they're going to contain Joe Mixon, and I think they're going to force a turnover from Joe Burrow. And I think I think with the Steelers, even if Mason Rudolph starts, I think he'll manage the game. I just don't see the Bengals 
going with Zach Taylor going into Pittsburgh and beating Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. I think the coaching is going to be the biggest difference in this game. And that's why I got the Steelers winning 16 to 13 over the Bengals. But Justin, can Joe Burrow lead the Bengals to their second straight win over the Steelers? It's going to be very tough. I got the Steelers winning 21 to 17. Um, their old line has already given up nine sacks. And yeah, you know, again, if TJ Watts out doesn't make a difference, but I don't think it makes enough of a difference that Cincinnati can kind of pull, you know, pull out this game on the road. Um, I, I still think even without Watt, the steel or yeah, the steels are going to be able to get a lot of pressure on Burrow. I think he's going to be running for his life. Um, you know, again, if, it is Bing Ben or Mason Rudolph. I think Joe, you know, and they do make a mistake or two where they get kind of in a battlefield position. They got to take advantage of their opportunities if they do get a short field. Cause that, I think they're really the only way they're going to be scoring. I don't think, you know, they're going to be able to go on like a 75 yard drive and, and score a touchdown against this defense. Um, I, I think it could be a long day for Joe Burrow in this offense. I just don't think he's going to have a lot of time to spread the ball around because, you know, obviously the Bengals do have some pretty good receivers. I just don't think he's going to have enough time to really, you know, um, or Burr's not going to have much of a chance to really um, get on the ball. I think it could be a long day for the Bengals. We got the Ravens traveling up to Detroit to face the Lions. And I think the Lions will be competitive for a half in this game, but just like the Monday night game, I think the I think I think the, the Lions will, will fall apart in the second half. I feel like the Ravens will be able to have success running the football. I think Lamar Jackson will have a good game. And I do think Jared Goff of that big turnover, just like he had that pick six against the Niners, just like he had that fumble against the Packers. I think he'll have that big turnover that will do the Lions in. And I got Baltimore beating Detroit 27 to 16. But Justin, can the Lions contain Lamar Jackson and can Jared Goff play well enough for the Lions to pull an upset? I don't think the Lions are going to be able to do it. I hit the Ravens 30-20. I'm with you. I think the Lions kind of keep this closer a half here, and the Ravens kind of pull away. They, you know, Their Lions defense really – they can't get really many stops in big situations right now. Um, again, with how bad this, this Ravens defense is right now and just how banged up it is, golf is going to make some plays, especially in that first half against Monday night. He, he was, what, 11 for 12, like 160 yards. He played pretty well in that first half. Like I, Underrated thing – Underrated thing was how well Penny Sewell played. He's he's looking like a yeah. stud at left tackle. And it's look I know Jamar Chase is really good, but it's looking like the Bengals regret that pick not taking uh not taking Penny Sewell on uh, number five overall. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um he has played pretty well early on this year. Yeah, you know, the Bengals should have gone after him, you know, because again, like I think Sunday they're gonna definitely be regretting that because you know, they're gonna be uh very nervous watching Joe Burrow probably get hit about you know, seven, eight times on Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, they could be – the Bengals definitely could be regretting that um, that choice, you know, um, especially this weekend. But, yeah, I think golf, you know, does enough in the first half. I just see in the second half the Ravens kind of find a way. Lamar Jackson, that offense kind of just, you know, time of possession, keeps the ball out of Detroit's hands, and they just cannot – they won't be able to make any stops the line. So, um, I have the Ravens winning this one 30 to 20, just not enough defense for the Lions. And, you know, um, offense will keep it closer a bit, but just, you know, they're not going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson that offense. We got the Washington football team heading up to Buffalo to face the Bills. And I think, again, I think the Washington football team, Taylor Heineke might have some success early in this game. But I feel like he's going to have trouble keeping up with Josh Allen. I think the way this game is competitive early is I think Washington's front four 
I know they haven't been as good as advertised, but I feel like they get pressure on Josh Allen. That's, that keeps this game close for about a half. But I think eventually with Devin Singletary, with Josh Allen, and with Stephon Diggs, the Bills end up pulling away. And that's why I got the Bills coming out on top on Sunday. I got them beating, I got them beating the Washington football team 27-17. to 17. But, Justin, can Washington's defensive line get enough pressure on Josh Allen for them to upset the Bills? I think there's a chance, you know, their defensive line hasn't been great the first few weeks of the year. Again, now they've had the extra, you know, the extra few days here to kind of get it going. Uh, you know, Ron Vare said, you know, they're going to fix up the defense, which obviously, you know, not very surprising. Again, we saw what Pittsburgh was able to do week one. They really got to Josh Allen. They really, you know, gave him fits all day. You know, Chase Young got zero sacks here. I think, well, Montez Sweat already has three, I believe. Sweat's been good. Um you know, again, if they if they cannot get pressure on Allen, then he's going to tear the secondary apart. And then I, th- I think this could be like a two-score game. But I think Washington's going to be able to get pressure on them. I think, you know, they do enough in this game to keep it close for, you know, I think they, you know, have a chance to kind of win this game, but they're not going to be able to do it. Um, I had Buffalo win this one 24-17. Got an AFC South matchup in Nashville as the Colts travel down to Nashville to face the Tennessee Titans. And I think in this game, I think that there's a good chance Carson Wentz won't play. So Jacob Beeson will be the starter. I feel like the Colts defense will, will you know, key in on Derrick Henry and uh, be competitive for a little bit. But eventually I think, I think that the Titans will pull away in this game with the weapons they have on offense. And I do think they forced a turnover from Jacob Beeson as well. That's why I got the Titans going to two and one and I got them beating the Colts 27 to 13. But Justin, can the Colts D do enough to pull off an upset win if Carson Wentz can't play? I don't see it happening. Um, I got the Titans win this one 27 to 17. I just think, you know, for the Colts too, this is their third straight week. They're going up against a really good offense. And again, I think could be wearing on, especially this early in the year. And obviously you have one of the best running backs in the game at Derrick Henry. I think he's going to be able to run all over the Colts defense, um, especially if the Colts do get behind by a score or two. I just don't see Jacob Easton being able to lead him back. You saw that first pass on Sunday when he came in. It was a horrible interception. Um, again, he's another guy I think, you know, could, can be a regular NFL starting quarterback, but he ain't ready yet. Um, I think, you know, they'll make some plays against the Colts or the Titans defense, but I don't see the Colts defense shutting down Derrick Henry in this offense. I think um, I, I could see, like, Julia Jones, A.J. Brown making a big touchdown or a big play touchdown, so – I got the Titans win this one by 10. We have an interconference matchup in Jacksonville as the 2-0 Cardinals uh, travel down to Jacksonville to face the 0-2 Jaguars. And uh, this should be the most lopsided game of the weekend. I think Kyler Murray, uh, the Cardinals run game, and DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore was a really good pickup. I really, really like the pickup of them getting Rondell Moore. He had a big game uh, last Sunday. Uh, I think the Cardinals win this game easily. The Jaguars are just a total mess with Urban Meyer. And I'm assuming you agree with me, Justin, that you've got the Cardinals winning. Yeah, the Cardinals winning. I could see this game being closer a little bit. but oh, you, I, th- yeah. you, th- you, still, you still got faith in Urban Meyer. I feel no, like he's kind of losing the locker room. It, no, it's more of I just – I just don't trust Arizona still with Cliff. I like I could see Cliff kind of keeping this thing interesting for I mean, a bit. That, that's a good point because last week that game was probably closer than than it should have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it was so. I, I think they'll they'll keep Jacksonville hanging around for a bit, but yeah, I think Arizona in the end. I got Arizona win this thing thirty five to twenty. Um, I think they blow them out in the second half. 
Kyle Murray should torch his defense. Yeah, Rondell Moore. Um, I, I again what what he can do if he stays healthy, man, with that Cardinals defense or that Cardinals offense could be pretty special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think because they really haven't had a solid number two. Everybody thought, you know, Christian Kirk. I feel like Christian Kirk is overrated. AJ Green, you knew he was. I feel I felt like he was dumb when the Cardinals signed him, and he's proven that the first two weeks. But I really like the addition of Rondell Moore. You know, you get Rondell Moore, you get obviously get the best receiver in football in DeAndre Hopkins. You get that run game with by committee with uh, with James Conner and Chase Edmonds, and their defense didn't play great last week, but I feel like their defense is is better this year too. Yes, the Cardinals are. Could definitely, if Rondell Moore steps up, this team could definitely be a Super Bowl contender. But we got to talk about uh, two other Super Bowl contenders in I, and what I think is the game of the week as the Tamp, 2-0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to L.A. With, where the Buccaneers are hoping to go, hoping to finish their season as they face the 2-0 Rams. And I think this is a close competitive game. I feel like, you know, the Rams will get some pressure on Tom Brady. I think they will contain their running game. But I do think Brady plays well. I think he throws a couple touchdown passes. And for Matthew Stafford, I think he throws a couple touchdown passes. Tampa Bay's secondary has been a little bit suspect. But I do think Tampa is going to get some pressure. And I do think Stafford's going to make that big mistake late in the game, just like he used to do in Detroit all the time uh, for the Rams. Uh, make that big mistake. And I think that's how the Bucs will end up winning that game. I think this is a close competitive game. But I can never pick Tom Brady against Matthew Stafford, especially when their rosters are equal. That's why I got the Buccaneers going to three and zero before they play. We all know who they play the week after. I got the Bucks uh, going to three and zero and beating the Rams 27-20. But Justin, can Stafford keep up with Brady and help the Rams get their second win in a row against the Bucks? Because we all remember they beat the Bucks last year on Monday Night Football. Yeah, you know and. and- Golf, I think, in that game through for 363 yards. Um, you know, so Safford, I think, you know, has a chance to keep this thing, you know, interesting. Yeah, Tampa Bay secondary right now is just depleted. It's not, you know, that's really the one big weakness of this team. So, yeah, I think the um, Rams are going to be able to move the ball against this team. I think Cooper Cup should have a pretty big game. Uh, you know, um, Ben Jefferson, Jefferson on some deep routes. I think, you know, because, again, the Rams love to kind of run, run the football as well, but – they're not going to have too much success with that. So Stafford's going to have to be one dimensional in this game. Um, but I agree with, with you. I, you know, as you saw late, you know, late big games, sometimes those lines teams when he was there. Yeah. He'd make that kind of key mistake that, and I, I think that's going to happen this week um, against Tampa Bay. I just don't see Matthew Stafford right now being out, being able to outduel um, Tom Brady this weekend. No, no, no. And, and and I think, you know, both rosters are really good. I think this is obviously outside of the – I mean, I, would, I think this defense the Rams have is better than the Lions was in 2014, but one of the best defenses he, he's, he's, he's uh, Stafford's ever had. He's Obviously, last week they ran the ball well with Michelle and Henderson, so they got a really good running game too. So I think, you know, I think Stafford's in a really good spot here, but I just can't pick him to beat Tom Brady. I just can't do it. I can't do it. No, I can't either. And, and you know, I was saying maybe it's a little bit of look at for Brady, but knowing Brady, that you know, that doesn't really exist for him. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I think you know, Brady. I think locked into New England right now too, but I, I think he'll be able to take take a take a win in LA. Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, Brady's hoping to finish the season in LA, winning a second straight Super Bowl. But we got to get to another four o'clock game, and we got the Seahawks, the one on one Seahawks heading to Minnesota to face the 0-2 Vikings. And I think this is going to be a really fun game. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. But 
I do think the Vikings get their first win, and here's why. I think Dalvin Cook has a really big game on the ground, just like Derrick Henry did last week against Seattle's defense. And I do think Kirk Cousins plays well, gets the ball to Justin Jefferson, gets the ball to Adam Thielen. I do think Russell Wilson plays well, but as you saw last week, I think I think this will be a game it will be close. I think the Seahawks will be winning late. But when this Seahawks defense needs to make a stop at the end, they, they, they won't be able to do that. And I don't think they'll be able, they weren't able to do it last week. And I don't think they'll be able to do it this week. And that's why I got the Vikings getting their first win, beating the Seahawks 30 to 27. But Justin, can the Seahawks defense bounce back and this week and help them get their second, their second win? I think they, the Seahawks do pull this one out 31 to 27. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you right now. The Seahawks, Again, yeah, you just faced Derrick Henry last week. Now you got Dalvin Cook, um, who's, again, another top-of-the-line running back in the league. So, yeah, I think the Vikings are being able to put up a lot of points in this game on the Seahawks defense, which, yeah, again, they, again, that's kind of been the thing. You know, last year they can't get a big stop. You know, this year so far they can't get they can't get those big stops so far. Uh, and I, I think Seattle's um, pass rush, so it, you know, is able to get some pressure on on um, Kirk Cousins, and they do force a mistake here, here, or there. And I can't, I just can't, I, know, I can't take Russell Wilson, you know, just like I can't take Stafford or Brady. I can't, even with how bad the Seahawks defense is, I can't take uh, Kirk Cousins over. Kirk Russell Cousins over Russell, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I see Russell. Will, even I, I think Russell makes a big play and, and gets, you know, the Seahawks win. Um, you know, I, I guess. It, with how bad the Seahawks defense is, Kirk Cousins could drive down the field and have a game-winning drive. I, I could see it, but I'm going to take Russell Wilson to, to uh, and the Seahawks to get this one. Got an interesting game out in Vegas as the Dolphins, and they'll be without Tua Tagovailoa. They'll be without Tua Tagovailoa, and they'll face the Las Vegas Raiders. And Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs are questionable, but it looks like Carr's going to play. We don't know about Jacobs yet. But I think this game, I think that the Raider defense continues to play well. I think Yannick Ndakwe was a really good pickup, and Max Crosby get pressure on Jacoby Brissett. I feel like Derek Carr plays a mistake-free game, even if, if, if Jacobs plays or not. And I got the Ra- I got the Raiders going to 3-0, mm-hmm. and I got them beating the Dolphins 24-13. to But, Justin, can the Dolphins D get enough pressure on Derek Carr to get them their second win? I think it would be possible, but I have the Raiders win this one 24-14. Um, especially, you know, well, Carr's ankle is probably going to be bugging them. So if the Dolphins can, you know, you know, Carr's not going to be able to probably run around a ton in this game. So if they can get to him, I think Dolphins have a chance. They've got to force some turnovers and they have to get off the field in third down. So far their, their, um, opponents are 62% against them on third down. So they really struggle to get off the field. Um, especially if Jacobs does play and, or, Las Vegas gets in a lot of third and short situation. I, you know, with that running game, I can see them picking it up. Um, again, Henry looks, Ruggs looks like he's starting to get it going. Um, Brian Edwards, yeah, and this is like the first time in three, four years that the Raiders actually have a pass rush. And you saw Jacoby Brissett really struggled last week after coming in. I think they'll 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 score some points, but not enough. And either Raiders win this game, twenty-four to fourteen. <clears throat> Got an AFC matchup in Denver as the Jets head out to Denver to face the Broncos. And we all know the Broncos are going to win this game, I feel like. I feel like in this environment, Zach Wilson's really going to struggle. He's gonna, I think he's going to throw a couple more interceptions uh, this week. I mean, I mean, the, the Jets – the big question – there's two questions. There's the big questions. When is Von Miller 
and Bradley Chubb going to play together again? Because it just doesn't seem like they are ever able to play together. I mean, it just seems like uh, they. Uh, it seems like 2018 was the, the only year they pretty much played together because 2019 Bradley Chubb got hurt. Last year Von Miller got hurt. This year Bradley Chubb gets hurt. So it seems like the two never really play together <laughs> when they're, they haven't really played that much together. And for, for the Jets and the coaching staff, can we please just put Zach Wilson in a position to succeed, even if they're losing like in like you know fourteen nothing? Just continue to run the ball, you know, run the offense. Don't be don't have Wilson throwing the ball down the field because last week that was just a total disaster. Matt, Mike Lafleur and Robert Saul just need to do. You cannot ruin this kid's confidence. This kid's got a ton of talent. You can't ruin his confidence. I mean, your organization already made a mistake by having Mike White be the backup quarterback. So that forced, you know, Zach Wilson into act, forced Zach Wilson right into it. I mean, no matter how poorly he played played in the preseason, or if he, even if he wasn't ready, he was going to be the starter because you have no backup. And 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 uh, now you got him going into Denver with them being two and zero. Just play a conservative game. If you get even if you get behind, do not ruin this kid's confidence at this point. That that he he is he is your future. Don't ruin his confidence. Now for the game, I got the Broncos winning 27-10. I think you got the Broncos. But two things, it's about two things, two takeaways. Can Von Miller and Bradley Chubb ever play together? And Jack and the Jets coaching staff cannot ruin uh, Wilson's confidence right now because he had a terrible game last week, and he's 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 in a he's got a really really tough task this week. Yeah, so first I'll start with Denver. I have Denver 24 to 10. Um, they should be able to take care of business with this defense. I think, yes, they're going to force Wilson to make some couple more mistakes in this game, and Teddy Bridgewater will capitalize on the score. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we never see Bradley and Chubb go um, play together. That would be such a great pass for those two on the field. Um, you know, they haven't played at all. I know they're hoping at some point Chubb will get back this year. You know, again, maybe the way they, they're kind of looking, maybe they could – you know, be fighting a wild card. He comes back late in the year. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that we don't get to see those two play a ton together. Um, for the Jets, yeah, it's – I thought – Oh, we might have lost – You're back, Justin? Yeah, I'm, I'm back. I just don't understand why they couldn't get a veteran back up, you know, like a Blake Bortles. Like, it doesn't even have to be a guy that's, like, going to, you know, have any chance to beat him out for the job. Or, or just a guy that could start, you know, maybe the yeah. first couple games, so so Wilson doesn't get forced into action like you did on Sunday. Yeah, uh, Sunday against yeah, the Patriots. Was, yeah, because yeah, that was bad, and he just kind of totally lost out there. And it just kind of some of the throws he made were just—I don't know what what he was trying to do there. Um, yeah, you know, just to, yeah, have somebody just to to just kind of learn from and, and kind of. Um, you know, kind of have that, yeah, that veteran kind of quarterback in that locker room to kind of be able to ask the questions and all that. Yeah, they don't have that. Mike White's not that guy. So, yeah, or even, yeah, to start just a few games to kind of – because, yeah, right now it doesn't – Wilson played well in the second half in Carolina, but the first half it looked like in Carolina. It looked just kind of like last week. He just kind of just did not look like he was ready at all. And, um, again, I think maybe, too, the offense kind of needs to just dumb it down a little bit, too. As you mentioned, just kind of just running the ball. Again, you're not going to win a ton this year. You know, again, you don't want to play like, you know, down two, two, three scores. You know, you're just trying to run the ball. You know, you want to try to get some points on the board. But, yeah, like, you know, you kind of got to know when to pick your poison. And they just don't seem like they know really what to, you know, how to do that right now. So, yeah, you know, you don't want to ruin another quarterback. You know, you already did that with Darnold, you know, and it looks like Darnold's kind of starting to turn things around. I know it's early, but he's starting to show some signs. So I think Zach Wilson could be a good quarterback at the NFL level. 
But again, it's the coaching again in New York could could kill him, could could kill his career. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got the Sunday night game with the Packers and the Niners, and it seems like yeah, last year I know the. Uh, the Packers blew the Niners out, but it seems like when Jimmy Garoppolo plays, the Packers kind of have the the Niners kind of have the Packers number. As you saw two years ago, the the uh, Niners beat them during the regular season, and they beat them in the NFC Championship game. I feel like this game is going to be really, really close and competitive. I feel like the Niners have success running the football. Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo will play a good game, but on the other side, I feel like Aaron Rodgers will too. But I think two things are going to be the difference. I think it's going to be you know the run game of the Niners keeping Rodgers off the field, and I think it's going to be the pressure that the Niners with with uh, Nick Boza put on Aaron Rodgers in this game, and that's why I got the Niners going to three and zero, and I got them beating the Packers 27-23. But Justin, can Aaron Rodgers play lights out for the Packers to get their second straight win? It's going to be tough going on the road, but I got the Niners 24-21. As you mentioned with Nick Bosa, yeah, I think they're going to get a ton of pressure on Rodgers. I think he's going to make some mistakes in this game, like maybe we saw in week one. You know, I don't think it'd be that big of a blowout, but, again, I could see him throwing a pick or two in this game. Um, yeah, and I, I could see the Niners kind of just controlling this game um, with their running game, and Rodgers doesn't have a ton of um, ton of possessions to kind of get his team over the hump here against a very good Niners um, defense and – you know, that Niners secondary so far has played, probably has played really well. So I, I think, you know, with the weapons really besides Santa Adams, um, it could be kind of tough to get things going. So, yeah, I think the Niners are going to – are Rodgers, I think, is going to have, have some good moments, have some bad moments in this game. But I, I think the Niners' defense does enough to shut him down or, you know, shut him down enough or slow him down enough for Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense to kind of take advantage enough and get the win and um, get the win at home. We got the Monday night game. We got an NFC East rivalry as the Eagles travel down to Dallas to face the Cowboys. And I think the Eagles are Eagles are coming to this game banged up. Brandon Graham, it feels like Brandon, Brandon Graham is going to be out for the year. Brandon Brooks is probably going to miss some time. Eagles coming to this game banged up. I think they run it a little bit with Miles Sanders, but not enough. I feel like the Cowboys will get a little bit – will get enough pressure on Jalen Hurts to force him to make a mistake. I think the Cowboys offense does a really good job. I think they found their running game last week against, against the Chargers. This is another team that plays a lot of zone coverage. A lot of two high, they play a lot of two high safeties, so they'll be able to. The the, the uh, they play a lot. Of, they play the Eagles play a lot of two high too. So I think the the, the uh, Cowboys will be able to run the ball against them as well with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard who had a big week last week too. I feel like Dak will have a really big week too uh, in the air, getting the ball to Amare and getting the ball to CD Lamb. And I got the Cowboys winning this one. I got the Cowboys going to the first place and winning this game by double digits. I got the Cowboys thirty-one to twenty over the Eagles. But Justin can. Jalen Hurts outplay Dak Prescott and Lee and put the Eagles in first place in the NFC East. It did be very difficult. I have Dallas win this game 27 to 23. I think the Eagles are going to keep it interesting um, in this game. I think they'll keep it close. I think Jalen Hurts is going to make some plays. Um, I think they, you know, they, again, for the Eagles, they got to kind of finish their drives. I don't know. Uh, they got to be able to finish drives, get touchdowns on the board, not like last week, you know. Personally, go out the one and, you know, they turn the ball over on down. So, you know, if they do something like that, again, they don't really have a chance. You can't really give Dallas extra possession in this game. Hurts can't turn it over in this game as well. Um, and I think, too, you know, 
Philly's got to slow down Mika Parsons. I love how they put him at defensive. I thought that yeah, was he had a really good game and had a had a really key play on Sunday when he got pressure on Justin Herbert. They called that a sack and that forced a field goal. Really good move to move him to defensive end. He's going to be there for a while. I feel like. Oh yeah, 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 it, yeah. You can take him out because in the NFL you're much you're much more impactful at defensive end than you are at middle linebacker. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah, with with his speed, you know, that four point three nine he ran. Yeah, you know, you know, with this quickness, I think yeah, I, I think it's great that Dallas can use that to their advantage of putting him on the end. Um, and he played there in high school too, so he he knows the position. It's not like he's you know smack dab and new at it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I thought yeah, he made some big plays, big key plays in that game. And if the Eagles can't stop him off the edge there, um, I, I think it could be a long day if he can get a couple sacks or just even kind of just get in Hurts' face there and you know just just force a couple of turnovers or, or something like that. So, yeah, I, I think Dallas does enough in this game to get the win 27-23. So we're going to go from one Philly team to the other Philly team as we got a player on the Sixers that wants out. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. If you own a business, you know how difficult it can be to get new clients. But what if you had your own sales team? BNI Somerset invites you to join us on Thursday, September 23rd to learn about how BNI Somerset provides a positive, supportive, and structured environment for the development and exchange of quality business referrals. Struggling to find more paying clients or want to take your business to the next level? Our group of business owners have passed hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business to one another. Want to know how we did it? On Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m., we're hosting an event on Zoom where we show you exactly how B&I Somerset generated client after client for one another and how you could begin to apply the same simple steps to your business too. The reality is, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. B&I Somerset is incredible for building your personal brand and ensuring you are known. Join Somerset B&I's Visitor Day on Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m. via Zoom. All are welcome. For more info, visit BNIWNE.com backslash CT dash Northern dash Somerset dash BNI. Businesses thrive by changing when the world changes and the world is changing. BNI Somerset can make sure you don't get left behind. Well, Ben Simmons yesterday said that he intends not to attend training camp and he is, he, he is right now done with the, with the 76ers. And the interesting part here is, is uh, obviously the Sixers, you know, they gave him that huge contract a couple of years ago. He's making about $33 million a year. I mean, he's not worth that the way he is. I know he's, really, he's one of the top. He's a really good defensive player, but he just can't score. He doesn't shoot threes. And in today's NBA, you got to be able to shoot threes. But Ben Simmons right now does not want to play for the Philadelphia 76ers. has no intention to play for the Philadelphia 76ers. And the thing is, is the Sixers, yeah, if, if, if they – if, they had six, if the Sixers want to trade him, they want to get a really, really good player in return. The problem is I feel like they're not going to get a great player in return. They're not going to get great value for this guy. They feel they feel like if he can develop a three-point shot, he's going to be a great player. But when is that going to happen? He ha- he's been in the league for five years, and he still has not developed a three-point shot. I feel like, you know, yeah, the Sixers want to trade him, but I feel like, you know, they're not going to get the value back that they really want for Ben Simmons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at this point, yeah, because you're selling his stock at this point so low. So, yeah, like I know that, like, the word is, oh, you know, could they get a little bit for him? Why, if we're Portland, 
you know, why would you go Damian Lillard for him? Oh, that would yeah, be, you know, that would be like stupid. That would, that'd be, yeah. that would be stupid to give up Damian Lillard for him. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, that's always kind of been the word. Like, could they get – can they make a package for surrounding, you know, including Lillard? So, you know, and a couple of first-round picks, it's not worth it. So, yeah, you're selling the stock so low. It, it's like they kind of told you what you need to – Philly's been telling you what you need to fix. And it's like if you can't do it now or, you know, like if, if – you know, if you're still kind of complaining about it, just, just fix your game. And, again, this is kind of can go all – you know, this could all go away. And he just hasn't been able to do that for whatever reason. I don't know why. But, yeah, you know, until he does, again, he's – you know, I don't really see him improving much at all. You're just kind of great defense player, great in the pick and roll. Um, but, like, that's about it. You know, not – again, he's scoring side, but – you know, again, it's a three-point game now, so it, you know, doesn't take too much. You know, not too much stock in that. No, no, yeah, yeah, you get, you got, you got to improve your game. You got to evolve, and Ben Simmons has it. Now we'll look at the best fits for Ben Simmons. Here are my four best. I'd say first the Spurs. I feel like they need some guard play that they lost to Marta Rosen. But I think the problem is, is who can the Spurs trade to the Sixers where the Sixers would want to do the deal? I feel like that'd be a good destination for him, but I just don't feel like. There's really anybody the Spurs would be able to give the Sixers that would that would uh, that would make them want to do the deal. Second team is the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves do have players. You know, they do have uh, obviously they have D'Angelo Russell, Anthony because they're because they're not going to trade Edwards or Cats. That's that's a given. But they do have D'Angelo Russell, who is tradable for the Sixers. But why would you trade uh, D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons? Why would you put those two players in a deal? I, I the thing is, if you're the if you're the Timberwolves. Uh, I know uh, Simmons is better defensively, but Russell's, but Russell's the better scorer. So why would you give up D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons? So I don't know if that trade's going to happen. You look at you look at the Raptors. I mean, the, the Raptors would have to probably give up like a Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam scores more than Ben Simmons. So why would the Raptors want to do that deal? And then uh, then then with the Cavs, I, I was reading that they that some teams think they they trade. Uh, Colin Sexton. I don't think the, tra- the Cavs should trade Colin Sexton for Ben Simmons. So it takes two to tango, and I just don't feel like there's really a deal where Philly will get the value they want, or another team, or another team would have to give up a, a player that Philly wants. And I feel like you know the league right now doesn't really value Ben Simmons as, a, as an elite player, and they're not giving up, they're not going to give Philly a top player for Ben Simmons. So this thing I think lasts lasts a while. I think the season starts with him still on the roster and him holding out. Yeah, absolutely. I do too. Because again, all the GMs and owners are all kind of hearing what he's saying too. And it's like, why would you, why if you're a GM or owner, why would you want this guy right now? It, it just doesn't seem like he's going to, I don't want to say put in the effort, but it just, he doesn't want to get better at his game. And it's like, yeah, why would I want to give up my future? You know, why would I want to give up a top star? You know, why would I want to give up my star for this guy? You know, yeah, he's, you know, again, we kind of talked about what he's good at, but yeah, I, I do think it's going to go on for a while. I just don't think there's a team right now that I'm with you that's going to give Philly what he what they want, and I don't think to, you know, I, I just I think it would be pretty hard to trade him for a while, and you know, Philly may just have to, you know, get whatever they can get for him at some point. This thing drags on, I guess, but um, yeah, you know, for me, my best fits, I had. Number one, I have the Bulls. I think they're a team that's kind of on a very athletic young team. Um, they don't really need much more scoring help, but again, his defensive and his playmaking skills, I think, could be very valuable for them, especially for a team that's pretty close to the playoffs. He's got, you know, he's been on a couple of playoff teams. I think he could, um, could help 
could help them there. Um, my next team is Golden State. I think he's be a good complimentary player for him. You know, they need some inside scoring, which he can give them. Um, I think, you know, in defensive side, too, he's very good at. You know, they have two great scores in Clay Thompson and Seth Curry. So, again, the pressure's kind of off on him there uh, scoring-wise. So, you know, I think in the playmaking department, I think he could be a very nice asset for him. My third team, yeah, it was his first two. Yeah, they need some guard help. Um, I, I think it would be a good spot for him. You know, it's a good organization to go play for. Um, would, and, again, Greg Popovich, you know, they're all about defense there, and obviously he's a great defensive player. Um, I think he'd fit very, very well there. My fourth team, I did at Portland. Um, Defensive-wise, he'd help them get a lot better because, again, they were so bad in that area last year. Um, again, you know, bigger guard, and, you know, he's really good in the pick and roll. So if they do still have Lillard and McCollum, they don't include him in the deal, which I don't think they should, but, you know, um, very good pick and roll game kind of complements them really nicely, just like with the Warriors with Clay and, and, um, and Curry, you know, it doesn't really have to rely on scoring a lot, kind of just, you know, be, you know, a guy that just kind of just rack up the system rebound. So, um, those are my kind of four fits for Ben Simmons. But the thing is with especially Golden State and Portland, uh, Philly's going to want, probably going to want Clay Thompson and Philly's probably going to want CJ McCollum if they do this trade. And the thing is, is there's no way Portland and Golden State would trade those guys for Ben Simmons. And the thing is, I think there's three reasons why Simmons, uh, Simmons, this is gonna be it's gonna be very hard for the Sixers to trade Simmons. One, the Sixers are not gonna get the value they think they're gonna get for him. They're not gonna get a top player for him. So that's why I think the Sixers, Sixers are gonna have trouble, you know, pulling the trigger on a trade. Uh, any any of the, the the player that the Sixers would want for some of these teams, those other teams are not gonna are not gonna. Uh, are not going to get give them that player. So that's the second reason. And the third reason is is uh, looking at his contract. He makes thirty three million a year. No team is going to want a guy for thirty three million a year that averages under fifteen points a game and can't shoot threes. This is the NBA in twenty 2020, twenty in twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. No one's going to want that kind of player. So yeah. So it's going to be so the three reasons are it's going to be tough for Philly to you know to to to, to get the value they want. It's, and number two, it's going to be tough for a team. A team is not going to give up a top player for him. And then number three, it's it's because uh because of that big contract, no one's going to pay a guy thirty three million to to average under fifteen a game. That's just not happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I because I, I Philly too. I think they're going to have to eat most of that contract. I, I really don't think I'm with you. I don't think a team's going to want to take that that thirty three million on. Um, you know, and why should they? You know. Again, he's great defensively, and you know, but yeah, until he gets really a three-point shot, yeah, you know, you're not seeing too many big guys or guys that just cannot score from the outside getting that much money anymore. Um, so yeah, that again, that that's a problem. Yeah, again, the value too. His his value is so low right now, and it's it's getting lower by the day. The way he's kind of acting right now, and I don't think the teams that have any interest in him, I don't think they're really appreciative of how he's acting out there um because it, it seems you know look I, I get they call you know coach and you know and be kind of called them out but you know i, I know they you know rivers and Embiid have kind of said the right things that they want to try to patch things up here but it, it, he just doesn't seem like he has any interest in doing that i think he should try but won't so yeah i, I just think yeah the stock is so low and why why would you give up a top star guy 
Um, for, for Ben Simmons right now, who's not, who's gonna, you know, he's not really gonna. He can be a really good player. You know, we've talked about it a lot. He could be a superstar player if he can figure out his shot and all that. But until then, yeah, you, why would you want to give up a ton of value for him? Why would you want to give up a couple first rounders for him? It just doesn't make any sense. And you know, I don't. Really, I I do agree this thing's going to probably drag on for a while. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree with you there. And it'll be interesting to see how long this thing drags on because the NBA season starts in a month, and I think I think there's a very good chance. Ben Simmons will still be on the Sixers roster. Yeah, I think so too. I, I wouldn't. I, I think yeah, for at least a few months. Um, I, I definitely see him on the roster, and you know, um, and we'll kind of see what happens if he gives in. But I, I don't. I, I really think that he's going to hold out until he gets traded. I don't think we'll see him anytime soon. I wouldn't be surprised at all. But we got a huge wild card race in the American League between the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees. Before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside sweating those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. The AO wildcard race is heating up, and uh, with the last the last ten, nine games of the season, it's really, really heating up. Uh, with with these teams right now, with the these teams right now, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays. Right now, the Red Sox uh, are in the first wild card spot, leading the Blue Jays by a game and a half, and the Blue Jays lead the Yankees by a half game. And for the Yankees, they play. That's the big story right now. They play outside of tonight. They'll play Texas, but their next six games after that are against those three teams. And there's a huge, huge series at Fenway Park on Friday night, starting up Friday night at Fenway Park. And uh good thing for the Yankees is they do miss Chris Sale. Chris Sale pitched tonight against the Mets uh, for, for the Red Sox. I mean, that, 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 that's a huge thing. And uh, on, uh, on Friday night, they got Garrett Cole against Nathan Evaldi. Uh, no, I mean, Nick Pavetta on Saturday. Uh, it's open for the Yankees. And I really hope Heal doesn't start that game because he's been absolutely terrible in his last couple starts. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Severino. Severino could be I, a possibility. He, what were you going to say, Justin? I wonder if it's actually Tyone maybe. I know think it might he's, be tonight, he's doing a rehab sort tonight, but I don't know how long he's going to go. Maybe if he goes for two, three innings, maybe he goes Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens there. And then obviously the uh, the last game we got uh, we got Nestor Cortez against Eduardo Rodriguez. So very very huge series for the Yankees. And uh, and Garrett Cole cannot pitch the way he pitched Sunday, and he struggled against the Red Sox this year. He he really has. That's been. You know, his, his Achilles heel has been the Red Sox and the Rays. He pitched poorly against the Indians on, uh, on, on, on Sunday, too. So this is just huge for the Yankees. I mean, two, if they could, you know, if they could take two out of three, if say, assume both teams win and they're both Yankees going two games behind the, 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 uh, the Red Sox, I don't expect the Mets to help us at all. I mean, as you saw last night, I, I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. But, yeah, I think that uh, – I think that – 
I mean, being optimistic, I feel like the Yankees, I think this series against Texas is going to give them some momentum. They sweep Texas is going to give them some momentum going into the Boston series. So I do feel like with Garrett Cole and pitching and Nestor Cortez pitching, I do feel like the Yankees got a chance to take two out of three here. I definitely do too. Um, my, my concern is just what are you going to get from this offense this weekend? Because you just never know. Um, That's the problem. That's it, been the yeah. problem all year. Outside of Judge, that's been the problem all year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Stan's starting to kind of – Stan's been so – it stands like, okay, one week he's great, the next week it's kind of slows down. Joey Gallo's been starting to – he's got like eight home runs in his last nine games. So, it's Joey Gallo's starting to – I know it's like two for four still, one for four, but he's been coming up with home runs lately, and that's really, really – you know, you don't really get hits out of him. It's just home runs. So, look, if the offense give him enough, then, yeah, you know, with, with Cole and, and Cortez and, you know, for – you know, Cole, the way he pits Sunday, like I, I really expect, like Garrett, especially they boot him off the mound. Again, the guy, the guy's kind of been the one like consistent guy on this team all year. So I, I didn't really think that was too appropriate, but, um, but again, like I think he bounces back really nicely Friday night. I think he pitches a heck of a game Friday night. That, you know, that's what I'm expecting from him coming off that loss on Sunday. But you know, we'll, we'll see. It just depends on the offense. You know. Cole and Nestor Cortez could pitch great and give up two runs in like seven innings. But again, if the offense can't score, it doesn't matter. Not at all. Not at all. And, and so, yeah, it's been an issue all year. And you got the Red Sox. I mean, the, the biggest the biggest difference between the Yankees and Red Sox this year, I mean, the bullpens have been about, you know, even, both been inconsistent. I feel like the Yankee rotation has been better. But the biggest difference and why the Red Sox have a two-game lead over the Yankees has been their offense. They're all the Red Sox offense. And then Blue Jays, the same thing. The Blue Jays offense has had a, you know, a really good year too. So, but but looking at the Red Sox, looking at their lineup, you know, with, with, you know, Devers having close to an MVP season, you got JD, you got obviously uh, Renfro's had a really good year, uh, Bogarts, and then uh, Bobby Dawbacks really stepped it up. Uh, Ever since the Yankees got Rizzo, Dawbacks stepped it up. So yeah, the Red Sox offense has been, you know, phenomenal, but the, but, but the Yankees, I feel like do have the advantage, uh, have the advantage as, with with their starting pitching, this is such a huge start for Garrett Cole. I mean, it could, I mean, I know last year in Game Five was a huge start against the Rays, but this is a humongous start at Fenway Park on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely, it, it is. You know, it, it sets the tone for the weekend too. You know, um, again, if he can't pitch, you know, if they can't win Friday night for him, if he pitches great and they can't win again, I could see this thing turning a sweep and just kind of, you know, see you next year at this point, but. Yeah, you know, if he goes out there, struggles, it's going to be a long weekend. So, yeah, he's got to set the tone. He's got to go like six, seven. You know, you'd hope maybe even could get eight out of them. It's just strong innings. And, you know, and they often gives them enough runs here. So, because I, I, yeah, that Friday game is so important where you kind of take one, you could kind of, you know, for a little bit, breathe a sigh of relief of like, okay, we got one. You know, one more, we win the series. You know, one more, you know. That's when you're out of two here. Yeah, you win the series and you're only a game back going to the final week. Yeah, which is huge because, you know, for Boston, they, you know, it, it's Baltimore on the road and Washington on the road. So, yeah, like, I mean, they, they have such an easy schedule, you know, if they can just get through this series. Yeah, so that's why for the Yankees, it's like, you know, two out of three would be good, but it's like, you know, with, with the Red Sox schedule, it's like you kind of hope you get first week, but. I know that sounds a little bit too greedy, but yeah, you know, again, you take two out of three, you kind of feel a little bit better about yourself going into, you know, going to Toronto. 
Oh, absolutely. And then going going into this Toronto series, starting on Tuesday, you got Jordan Montgomery, who's pitched well. He's going up against Steven Matz, uh, Corey Kluber against uh, Jose Barrios, and then you got the big matchup, Garrett Cole against Robbie Ray. And if that game means something, that's going to be that, that's a matchup of two Cy Young, two potential Cy Young candidates on Thursday night. That's going to be a huge matchup. That's just a huge series in Toronto. And I like, but I but I do like the fact we got Montgomery and Cole going and in, going into those three games, Kluber. I mean, he's, he was better in his last start against the Indians, but he's been up and down since he came off the IL. Uh, so it's, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in, in, in Toronto. But they got the thing about Toronto is, and this is why they played so well, I, I loved, I really like the pickup of OJ uh, Barrios because Hinge and Rue has struggled, but I think Barrios has given this Toronto team, it's, it's strengthened this rotation. And I think it's, it's definitely a reason why this team has played so well. I think, and I've said this, I said this last week, I feel like the Toronto series is going to be tough. I, I feel like, uh, you know, we we got to win two out of three, but it's going to be very difficult to win two out of three in Toronto. I think it'll be easier to win two out of three in Boston because I don't think Boston's as good as Toronto. I feel like Toronto right now, if they get into the postseason, not only do I think I, th- I think they I think they win the wild card game, I think they very easily be t- could beat Tampa in the first round. But still, they got to get into the postseason first, and that Yankee series is going to be a huge series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, right now the way the Jays are playing, I don't want to see them at all. And I, I do think they go on a run and, and win the World Series. I they're good enough with that rotation. I know the bullpen still it's gotten a little bit better, but still isn't great. It's it's serviceable. Um, but yeah, like you know, they're fine. Like Marcus Simeon again, forty-one home runs now. The like, A's are wishing they didn't get rid of him. Yeah, because uh, they tried big mistake. For, yeah, Elvis Andrews, what a mistake that was from Billy yeah. Bean. I think oh, yeah, yeah, we, they, and yeah, the, yeah, the A's right now. I mean, man, they're done. I think I think those two wins, and I think it might be time to move on from Billy Bean. I know we're going to look on topic here. Oh yes, he is. He's he's gone. Gone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, he, he went to attacker. I heard the Mets may be interested in him. Oh really? Okay, the Mets gotcha. may try to go after him maybe at yeah, the end yeah, of the year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think the A's. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, the Andrews didn't work out because yeah, they DFA'd him. I believe. Too. They made a DFA yeah. um, a few weeks you know, you know, a few weeks ago, but um, yeah, you know Toronto right now the way they're on fire, you know him, him and Vlad are probably two, three right now in the MVP category or you know MVP favorite right now. So yeah, that lineup is so scary. And again, they could you know especially with Yankees bullpen, they could really tattoo that thing. Um, like again, like a four, you know, where it's like a three, four run lead in the eighth, ninth inning is not going to be very comfortable. Um. So yeah, like Toronto, I could. I, it, Toronto's a very scary team. I do think it's gonna be tougher because you know that place is gonna be rocking now. Um, I guess they're trying to expand it now to thirty thousand fans into Rogers Center. So, um, for the you know, so again, that place is gonna be nuts next weekend. So it's gonna feel like a playoff atmosphere. These you know, ne- you know, this weekend and next, then three games of Toronto next week. So, uh, you know, again, I, I do think. That the Yankees do. I'm with you. Yankees have a better shot winning two out of three in Boston than they do in Toronto right now. But it's imperative, though. The Yankees got to take two out of three against the Red Sox and two out of three against the Blue Jays. I think they got to go four and two in this stretch. Any worse, they're not going to make the playoffs. Because look at the schedules. Look at the schedule for the for obviously we looked at Boston's schedule. Got the Mets tonight, and then outside of the Yankee series, they got you know three games with uh with Baltimore with three games uh with with Balt with Baltimore and, and Washington on the road. Then you look at the Blue Jays, they got they got, you know, four games with the Twins and they got three games with the Orioles. So, it's imperative for the Yankees to take uh to take four out of six of those uh, to, to go four and two in this in the six game stretch. Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely is. And you know, cuz 
again, you know, everybody else is taking care of the oath besides the Yankees this year, and that's going to come back to haunt you. And, you know, I expect a boot. I think we might have lost Justin. And and when you're saying, I mean, I, I get what you're, what you're saying. Like Boone was could get. I mean, if, if they don't make the playoffs, Boone should definitely be fired. Oh, absolutely. I think he should. And you know, again, it's, it's with the same urgency. It's just you know, with him speaking, it's the same urgency. It's just oh, you know, we're gonna play better. It's you know, you got three weeks left. Like yeah, again, and yeah, I know he's kind of got the players backs and all that. I know he's that type of manager, but at some point. You know, you, you got to lay into him. And because I know Joe Torre was great. You know, he was kind of always had the players back, but he knew when to get on top of you. He knew yeah, I when the, not to. Yeah. I remember the story, you know, th- that uh, John Flaherty would always talk about Joe Torre. After that combined no hitter the Astros had against him in 03, he said, All right, right now I'm done protecting you guys. You got to show me. You got to prove to me that you, you're good enough. And they did. And they got to the World Series. That's what the Yankees got to do right now. They got to prove Darren Boone he's good enough. Boone's got to start protecting these guys. The Yankees, the, especially some of the guys who've underachieved this year, DJ LeMayu, Glaber Torres, Gio Urshela, uh, Luke, I mean, the voice been hurt, but he's he's underachieved. Even Stan at time is under, has underachieved. All the guys really outside of Aaron Judge in this lineup, those guys got to prove it to Aaron Boone, and then Boone can't protect them. Yeah, absolutely, because it, it does show, like, the players don't have his back. And, again, when your job's on the line, it, you know – Again, you kind of got to go out, you know, and I, I know managing the coaches kind of don't try to worry about their job security, but Boone's got to know. His, he knows his contract's up at the end of the year. He's got to know if the team doesn't make the playoffs, he's gone. He, he knows that. So, yeah, it's, at some point he's got to stop being this kind of nice guy, you know, and, and kind of lay into this team because, again, yeah, he's going to lose his job. He's got to kind of know when to, you know, get rid of the two there and, he has been able to, and I don't really see him doing that. I just, again, he just, he's just not that guy. And unfortunately it's going to cost him his job. It really is because it, it doesn't seem like the team has his back and they probably do, but, you know, I don't say they're not, but it, it seems like they don't have his back. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. This is such a huge weekend. It's such a season defining weekend for the, the next six games after tonight are so season defining starting Friday night in Boston. And this team just really, 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 has to, has to pick it up. Got to, in my opinion, it's got to be four out of six for this team to make the postseason. But we got a we got a pretty good week of college football. We got a, a match of two teams in the Midwest facing off in Chicago. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and yours truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. That is all four downs. Make sure you check out Sean, Ovi, Jace, and Joe every uh, Thursday at at seven o'clock. Jason, correct me there. I think seven o'clock every Thursday for all four downs. And we got a pretty good, not as good as last week, but we got a pretty good week of college football. And uh, it it starts in Chicago as Notre Dame faces off with 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 Wisconsin, and and Wisconsin's a six and a half point favorite. And I got them covering the spread. I think they beat Notre Dame. I think they beat them by double digits. Notre Dame has been very very lucky so far. Uh, 
I mean, I know Jack Cohen's facing his former team, but I think Notre Dame's been lucky beating Florida State close, beating uh, beat, who they beat in uh, was it was it Toledo? Toledo beating Toledo close, and then and then and then winning last week over Purdue. But they've been very lucky so far, and I feel like this is I feel like Wisconsin's going to win this game by double digits because of their run game and their defense. And I got the Badgers beating Notre Dame, but Justin, can Brian Kelly pull the upset and go to four and out? Uh, I, I don't think they will. I think Nordic covers. I think it's 2017. I think Wisconsin is the better team in this game. I just think this is going to bring football back about 60 years in this game. Both teams are going to just power eye game, kind of, uh, you know, who can run the football better, who can, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, if, you know, it's a revenge game, as you mentioned, for Jack Cohn. You know, he's motivated to go out there. Graham Mertz for Wisconsin has really, um, you know, I, I've been very, you know, I, you know, after that start he had against Illinois last year where he was 21 for 22 and it looked like Wisconsin finally found their quarterback, he's been very underwhelming. You know, this year he hasn't – he's thrown two interceptions so far this year, no touchdowns. He's a mission. He won't throw it like 17 times. But granted, I don't think they're going to be able to have too many big plays on the field with that great safety and Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know, Wisconsin doesn't have that workhorse back this year either. You know, it, it's been a running back by committee. I think they've already had five or six guys, you know, have a – couple um handoffs this year so you know they rotate that pretty well in and out but i think wisconsin is a better team i think Dame keeps it closer because i think graham mertz you know until i really see something because i thought graham mertz is going to be that quarterback for wisconsin that could get them to that next level um he hasn't yet i still think he has the potential to do it but he's really got to show me um i, I think wisconsin finds a way to win but if not if Dame wins this game brian kelly will pass uh Newt Rockney is the most wins as the Nordian as a Nordian um, head football coach for the most wins. So um, could be a milestone victory for Brian Kelly, but I think Wisconsin um, spoils that on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it should be a very interesting game there. But we got an SEC matchup. Is the game in Dallas or Fayetteville this week? It's in um, it, yeah, it's in Dallas. It's in Jerry's world. It's a Jerry world. So and obviously Jerry's an Arkansas guy. We got we got Texas A and M. At Arkansas, this should be a really, really close competitive game. I think kind of a defensive struggle, but in the end, I'm going with Jimbo Fisher to win a really, really close game over Arkansas. I got AM going to 4 0. Yeah, I, I got Arkansas taking the ups in this one 27 24. Now, speaking of Jerry Jones, his grandson, John Stephen Jones, is the third string quarterback in Arkansas. So there's a couple injuries to Arkansas. Wasn't he like, was he like playing a couple years ago? I think a he did. Bit. Um, was it the other one? It, I think, yeah, I think he did. Um, two thousand. He, I know he's got one complete. He played a little bit, or he had, he played Mafa duty a couple weeks ago. But yeah, at nineteen, he was. Uh, he, I think he played a game or two. He had two touchdowns, one interception. wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, he's got some playing time, so maybe we'll see him. Uh, but in this game, both quarterbacks are very underwhelming. Zach. Um, Calzada for Texas and Alabama. Again, they could score 10 points in Colorado. just gave up 30 to Minnesota without the running without uh, uh, without the without their top running back. So again, I think Arkansas finds a way. Both secondaries have played really, really well. I think it's another game where running the football is going to be huge. Um, and kind of who can get the turn. You know, what quarterback makes the big mistake? Um, I think Isaiah Spiller could have a really nice game on the ground. Um, and 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 can um Caldara get it to Jalen Watermeyer, one of the best tight ends in the country. Um, I, and Arkansas had seventy of these eight games since in Arlington that it's been a one score game. 
and three of them have gone to OT. Art, and, you know, even when Arkansas wasn't very good, they always keep this game interesting. And I think this is finally the year that Arkansas gets over the top here and knock off Texas A&M. Um, I have the Aggies. I mean, I have the Razorbacks um, 24-20. We got an ACC matchup uh, in Raleigh as Clemson faces NC State. And Clemson struggled last week against the against the Georgia Tech. And I still think – I think maybe NC State keeps it close for a half. But I think DJ Angule – uh, it's a pretty good game, and I think Clemson wins this one by two scores. But, Justin, can the Wolfpack pull a crazy upset over I'm the Clemson Tigers? I'm taking it. I'm going NC State. <laughs> you're, you're, you're t- oh, wow. Wow. You're taking I'm Clemson to lose in ACC I, game. I, I'm don- I cannot stand Clemson's offensive scheme right now. Uh, like Clemson's offensively right now. They have so many six-foot-three wide receivers. They don't have that Hunter Renfro. They don't have that tight end anymore. You know, again, they, they the scheme isn't you know DJ Uyelayelia, like he's a big six foot guy. I know he's not as mobile as Watson and, and um, Lawrence were, but he can still move a bit. They don't do any one game with him. His confidence is shot right now. This Georgia Tech they put up seventy points on last year. They couldn't do anything offensively. I know there's two lightning delays, but still they couldn't do anything against them. And NC State's defense is pretty good. Now Mississippi State kind of got him there. A couple of turnovers really kind of hurt them. Um, you know, in, in that game, but again, I you know, I think that I think that because I think that was a little bit overrated as a coach. I think he's you know, he, he's never. I mean, he's, you know, I'll, I'll give you, he's a great recruiter. I think he'll think. I mean, you mean he's not like a Nick Saban or no. or or when Urban Meyer was in college, but still, I mean, he's still a great coach. He's just not. He's not on the Nick. He's not just not on. He's not as great as people think. X's and O's wise, you, you would say. Yeah, because he just doesn't adjust. His game, their game plan offensively. Again, you saw Jim Georgia. They just tried to keep doing the same thing, just dropping back. But it was like their line couldn't do anything. I think NC State's going to get a pass rush. Clemson's only had three offensive linemen drafted in the first round since 2010. Like he has not developed off of the linemen. I think NC State's going to get after him. Um, I know NC State's going to be missing their star linebacker and, and starting safety in this game. But I still don't think that matters. I think tennis. I think NC State with um, Devin Leary. He's a good runner. He's very athletic. He's got a good arm. Um, and um, Clemson's going to miss Tyler Davis, their big uh, defense tackle, the next about two months. So I think NC State gets them. They've lost 15 out of 16. Dave Dorn, I think, is very underrated. He's just built very quiet, consistently, eight and four, nine and three teams at NC State. You know, very quietly. Nobody ever mentions NC State. I think this is, I think this is the time. I got the Wolfpack taking them 20 to 17. I don't like this Clemson team at all. I think this is a team that could, you know, with how bad the ACC is, they may not lose again for a while, but I don't think they're very talented. And I don't think, I don't see Dabble kind of trying to adjust things to, to, um, to help DJ out. I, I just don't see it. I think Terry Lawrence and Deshaun Watson masked a lot of their issues offensively the last few years. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Wow. So Justin's got NC State in the upset on Saturday. So we'll see. That'll be an interesting game. But. We got a Big 12 matchup in Waco as Iowa State travels down, travels down to Waco to face an undefeated Baylor team. But, I mean, I, I don't think Baylor has really played anyone that tough in their, in their first uh, three games. You look, they've, played, they play, they've had a very easy – even though they've beaten all those teams big, they've had a very easy schedule. So that's why I got Iowa State winning this game with, with Brees Hall, with Matt Campbell. I don't think Matt Campbell's losing this game at Baylor. I, got, I mean, it's going to be a close game. I, th- I think it'll be like around seven to ten points. But I got Iowa State winning it. But, Justin – can Baylor stay undefeated and upset the Cyclones? 
I don't see it happening. I think Iowa State won this game 27 to 17. Um, Baylor really excels with their run game. Yeah, they haven't played much so far. They really haven't to rely on Gary Boheen, the quarterback. He played pretty well, you know, so far. Again, this is gonna be the toughest assignment all year. Um, Tristan Eburn and um Abu Smith, uh, you know, Baylor's running backs have played great, but again, I, I think they're gonna struggle against Iowa State. Uh, they blew out UNLV. UNLV is one of the worst FBS teams out there. So they kind of got – I think it was a get-right game for Iowa State. Brock Purdy looked pretty good. Brees Hall had 100 yards on the ground. Um, Baylor kept this thing interesting last year. They were able to score. They got 31 last year, which I was, you know, um, for Baylor off. But they really, the rest of the year, kind of struggled. They weren't really able to get much going. Um, I see Iowa State kind of doing enough. I think it's close for a bit, but I think Brock Purdy makes a big play with, the, with his arm. And Iowa State's kind of – you know, able to take this one 27 17. Uh, we, we got a, a rivalry game in Gainesville. I mean, I know Florida should win this game, but uh, we got uh, we got the Florida Gators and the Tennessee Volunteers. Obviously, we've had a lot of memories over the years between these two teams, but I think Florida wins this game, and I think they cover the spread. I think they win it by two or three or four scores. I think uh, Jones has a really good game. I think Richardson has a really good game, too, on the ground. And I think Florida set the tone for the college football season last year. They showed the last week. They showed us that there will this will this will be a very very. Is it, there is no dominant team in college football. They they're going to set a tone. They said it. They set a tone last week that this is going to be a really really exciting college football season. Do you agree with me there? Oh yeah, I think I don't think it's going to be a crazy as those seven where we saw number one lose every single week. But yeah, I, I do think this is going to be the year where we kind of see that off the radar team um, win this thing. I, I this is the year because. You got to think about it. there's so many super seniors that teams have. You know, so many teams have a lot of guys coming back. You know, not yeah, not really from Clemson, Alabama, you know, Ohio State, not from the usual. It's more kind of, you know, the other, the smaller guys. I think and, that's why I think it's more com- a little bit more competitive because yeah, you have some of the super seniors coming back, and a lot of the big schools like the the, 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 the power the, the 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 elite teams like Ohio State and Clemson and uh, Alabama, a lot of those juniors, they all leave. They really don't have a lot of super seniors because a lot of those kids leave after their junior year. So that's why I, that's a, definitely a reason why I think this season is going to be more competitive than years past. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, they're 23, 24-year-olds that kind of know that know what to do. You know, they, they've they kind of been there before and, and all that. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's kind of the super seniors have really helped things out for – they kind of make these things competitive. And – in this game, I think Tennessee covers. I think, you know, they're not going to win, but I think this is a letdown spot here for Florida. You just lost an emotional game against Alabama where for the last 45 minutes you were the better team than Alabama in that game. And Alabama in the back end, they were not great tackle. They missed a lot of tackles in that game. And Tennessee, they've been able to move the ball. I know they haven't played down. They moved the, the ball a lot against Pittsburgh. That's really about, about their only test. So yeah, far. but they're placing a much – I know Pat Narduzzi is a good yeah. defensive coordinator. They're facing a much, much better defense right. on Saturday night. Yes, they are. It's still not the typical Gators defense, but it's total. It's a. It's improved from last year. It's. it's yeah. The, the, the thing is, the offense may not be as good, but the defense has improved, which makes this. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were good last year, but I think this makes it an even more complete team this year. Definitely, and then last year too. You think about Florida. Florida couldn't run the ball at all last year, and they had eight yards of carry against Alabama. And I've never seen out in Nick Saban, Alabama coach team like that absolutely get dominated on both sides of the, of the line of scrimmage. Um, so yeah, like Florida, yeah, they couldn't run last year, but they've been able to do that this year. Yeah, you know, they lost so many weapons, but and that's what makes Dan Mullen such a great coach. He adjusts to what his quarterback does best, not like Dabo. Dabo does the same thing over and over. 
Dan Mullen has been great at developing quarterbacks because of the way he adjusts. Because Emory Jones looks so much more confident back there in the pocket, you know. And I thought there's they played a lot better last week. And Emory, that was the Emory Jones I thought we were going to see, you know, the first few weeks. Um, but you know, I think Floyd's going to dominate again in the trenches in this game. Tennessee's defense isn't great, but I think they're going to move the ball in this game. I think you know. Joe Milton, the uh, Michigan transfer, may not play. He's so bad with an injury. But I think Hayden Hooker's been better. I think because of his dual threat ability, um, he's a great runner. You know, again, decent arm. You know, not not great, but he's he's got a pretty good arm. Um, I think they should go with him moving forward. But you know, it sounds like Milton will get to start if, if he's healthy. But I think Tennessee's going to put up some points in this game and keep it interesting for a while. But Florida will win this game. Got a Big 12 matchup in Stillwater as the as number 25 and undefeated Kansas State heads to Stillwater to face undefeated Oklahoma State. And I think Kansas State wins this game close. I think the difference is Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn is one of the best running backs in the country. I think it's a huge game. And I got the Wildcats winning this game close over the Cowboys. But, Justin, can the Cowboys stay undefeated and beat the Wildcats? Um, I, It's very possible. You know, it's tough to go to Stillwater, win a game, but I do have – I. I agree with you. I get K State winning this one 23 to 20. Uh, and I agree with uh, Deuce Vaughn. You know, again, the guy's the guy's gonna be the next Darren Sproles at the next level at the NFL level. He's a great back, he's a difference maker, he's the best offensive player on the field we're gonna see Saturday night, and I think that's gonna be the difference in this game. Both quarterbacks are not great. Spencer Sanders Saunders has been, you know, he's you know, he's been okay in this time. Um, you know, Scholar Thompson, the Kansas State quarterback, has been hurt, so it's Will Howard who He's a really good runner, you know, okay arm, you know. So I think this is going to be a game of what quarterback stays away from the mistakes. But I'm going to take Deuce Vaughn and that Kansas State offense to do enough. Chris Kleiman uh, uh, has done a really nice job. He's a pretty good coach. I just don't know what happened to Mike Gundy in this offense, you know, the last years. They just haven't had that quarterback. They don't have that explosive offensive guy anymore. Um, I like Jalen Warner played really well last – had 218 rushing yards at Boise State. Um, a game I thought Boise was knock them off, but um, Oklahoma State's defense is for real. It's it's a total 180 from like five years ago from you know what Mike Gundy's teams were. Um, tough to win at Stillwater, but I'm going to take the Wildcats to get it done, 23 to 20. We got the you got another Big 12 matchup, and it's the Saturday night game as West Virginia heads to Norman, Oklahoma to face the Sooners. And I think Oklahoma wins it, but they haven't been that impressive. They they haven't been that impressive. They barely beat Tulane. They struggled with Nebraska. I think they win it, but they don't cover. I think they win it by a couple scores, but they don't cover. I got Oklahoma going to uh, to a to four and out. But can West Virginia play with them and maybe potentially pull an upset? I think it's very possible right now. And I do have Oklahoma though winning this game 27-21. Now I heard what Spencer Rattler said yesterday in the media, and it again it should scare Lincoln Riley, it should scare every NFL GM because again, somebody was asking him. Oh, you know, yeah, or you know, kind of ask them about the mistakes. They're like, you know, we're three and zero. You like, you know, we're not, you know, we're not really, we really worried right now. No accountability, and I think, and he, and he had issues with his high school team with this, with this. I remember watching a documentary on him. He had issues. He had the same issues with his high school team. Just no accountability from the kid. No, and that, that again, his draft stock has been going lower and lower each week. And again, if I'm an NFL GM, that's not the guy I want leading my NFL team right now. So, and. Yeah, and Lincoln Riley kind of like, you know, again, it's not no distraction from him right now and all that. But, again, I'm worried. I, I'm really worried right now. Um, 
again, Caleb Williams, the true freshman from D.C., the top quarterback in this class, he's going to be a stud. And I know it's not shocking. You know, I saw the package they kind of ran with him against Western Carolina. But you can kind of see he's got all the tools. And if Lincoln Riley gives him, you know, that quote-unquote timeout again like he gave Riley last year, I don't know if Caleb Williams will give him his job back because he's going to be a stud. So Rattler better get it going because Oklahoma, too, they rank 117th right now passing explosiveness. Oklahoma, they're running a bunch of underneath routes. This ain't the same. They have talented wide receivers. Marvin Mins is, you know, still a freshman, but he's going to be really, really talented. I, I Again, I want to pick West Virginia in this game. If it was a Morgantown, I think OU finds a way to pull this thing out. But I don't like the way Rattler's kind of acting right now. I, I I can't stand it. I don't want to pick Oklahoma, but I can't. I, I see them pulling this thing out at home. West Virginia, I think, can put up some points with their Juji and um, Letty Brown, a, a big explosive running back. I think they could give Oklahoma some problems. And West Virginia's secondary, I think, has gotten a lot better from the last few years where Oklahoma's absolutely torched them. I think they keep this thing interesting, but I think Oklahoma on a Saturday night figures out how to win in Norman. And going off your Spencer, we'll wrap up with this, going off your Spencer Rattler, Rattler point, is another reason why there's so much parity in college football this year is because we really don't have a dominant quarterback. Like last year, obviously, we had Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trevor Lawrence. We really don't have dominant quarterback play this year. Is that another reason? And we know how, how football is now, how quarterback-driven the sport is. Is that another reason why there's so much parity in college football this year, that we don't have dominant quarterback play? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah, it is. You know, Sam Howell's starting to kind of get it going. But, yeah, he hasn't been kind of what we expected from him. Um, Bryce Young kind of, you know, for the most part, has played pretty well. Um, you know, CJ Trout looks like he's going to be pretty talented. But, yeah, we don't have that Trevor Lawrence this year. We don't have that, like, you know, Sam Darnold. You know, we don't have the Mac Jones. You know, um, you know, DJ Uyelandale, he's taken some steps back, you know. And somebody mentioned, you know, could it be the NIL stuff? You know, even Derek King hasn't looked great so far this year with Miami. That offense looks very underwhelming. Um, so, you know, somebody said that could be a distraction for some of these players. Maybe it is. Matt Corral looks like the best quarterback right now in the country with Lane Kiffin. And that can't, I cannot wait. That's 10 days away. Alabama, Ole Miss, um, Lane versus Saban. But, yeah, I think that's a big part. You know, if I'm an NFL GM, this is a draft class where I think – there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks got to go out, but I don't think you're going to get that top level guy. Like there's going to be some red flags from this class. I don't think you, you, you know, there's not that one dominant guy right now. And yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that is another reason why we don't have that Trevor Lawrence type quarterback any right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap it up this week on sports talk with RJ uh, for just our producer, Jace Garcia for Justin D'Onofrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about the final week of the uh, of the baseball season, week five of the college football season, and Brady's return to Foxborough and the rest of the week four games in the NFL. Have a great weekend, everybody. Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts. 
including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.